Cameron and Dave. Conversation, crack, and the music you love. Today FM. It all happens here. Today FM. Our next guest is the man behind films like Romeo and Juliet. Yes, the one with Leo. Moulin Rouge. And you might know his number one hit song, Everybody's Free to Wear Sunscreen. Baz Luhrmann has made his own style of cinema. And now he's taking on one of the most iconic stories of all time. He's the director of Elvis, starring Austin Butler as the most famous rock star of all time. He's a young singer from Memphis, Tennessee. Give him a warm hayride welcome to a Mr. Elvis Presley. Get a haircut, buttercup. In that moment... I watched that skinny boy transform into a superhero. Well, you may go to college, you may go to school, you may have a pink Cadillac, but don't you make nobody's fool now, baby. It's just so good. Elvis, you also heard the voice of Tom Hanks in there as well, uh, looking like you've never seen him before. But the director, Baz Luhrmann, is on the line now. Good morning, Baz. Hey, Dermot. Hey, Dave. How are you? Great. How are you doing? You can tell by my voice I'm sparkling. (laughs) I guess the Cannes (laughs) Film Festival will do that to you. Uh, The the Cannes Film Festival will definitely do do you in. Yeah. No, I mean, I've got nothing to complain about. It was... um, you know, I was discovered in Cam when I was like 29, so it was a pretty special, it was a very, very special event. Yeah, it yeah was really we heard there was a 12-minute standing ovation at the end of the film, which is just phenomenal and richly deserved. Well, thank you. You know what? There was, and, and the other thing that, that isn't very canny is that they were applauding the musical numbers, and I think that that, but by the way, it was an amazing can, and I think... On the way there, I was in Paris, and I'm just feeling this crackling in the streets, this sort of hunger just to get back and people be together. And And I think that there was a kind of energy that I haven't felt, I mean, even before the pandemic, I think we got a bit numb mm. to just being able to go and be in a dark room and watch something and, you know, commune. And there was an explosion of energy that was just something else, you know. Yeah, well, I, I think the world is ready for this Elvis film because certainly it's opened it up to a whole new generation and there were details about Elvis's life that I certainly had no idea about. Um, I wasn't aware of, you know, the effect that the colonel had on him and, and the various characters mm. in his life. I think for a lot of people, certainly for me, the life of Elvis is, you know... Uh, supremely talented, world famous, Las Vegas, fat burgers dead. And, yeah. and that's that's kind of it. But you've you've yeah. shone a light on so much more. Yeah, I mean, that's what happens. You know, like even when I was doing it, I wasn't really doing a biopic. I was sort of looking for a way of using his life to explore America in the fifties, sixties and seventies. But then you get into Rebel Elvis. I mean, even when I found that gentleman who African-American, took me so long to find him. And he said, you know, uh, when Elvis was so ashamed of his dad going to the to the prison and they live in one of the white designated houses in a black community and him and a bunch of 13-year-old African-American kids are running off the juke joints and they're going to gospel tents. You know, you know his time in Club Handy, you realise what a rebel he is, mm. you know. And... and 
so the whole whole sort of life of Elvis is three lives in one. And, you know, you've got Elvis the rebel, you've got Elvis the movie star who's now in a bubble, you've got Elvis pulling back and discovering gospel again, and then the guy in the white jumpsuit is trapped and you don't realise why he's trapped. I mean, he's caught in a trap, he can't get out. Yeah. And that's all to do with Colonel Tom Parker, never a Colonel, never a Tom, never a Parker, spoiler alert, <laughs> drama, <laughs> you know, deep dark secret, you know, so, so that's the drama part of it. And Definitely. You know, and you're right, like, if you're under 35, he's, he's either a Halloween costume or, or, you know, he's in Lilo and Stitch. You sort of vaguely yeah. know that he's important, but why? Not really, you know. Well, this movie will definitely go a long way to explaining that. And let's talk about Austin uh, and Austin Butler's yeah. portrayal of Elvis because so much of this movie hangs on his portrayal. And I'm sure there are lots of, I don't know, impersonatory actors who may look more like him yeah. or be able to do a, a, a hip wiggle a bit differently. But what Austin did for me was brought out the humanity of Elvis, which I yes. think is something that people will really, really respond to. Yeah. Well, that's what Priscilla said. I mean... She wasn't connected with the film. I saw her early on and then the pandemic kept her away from it and I couldn't get to her really. But she said, can you imagine, there are so many people who, they call them tribute artists and I respect them. But what they're doing is impersonating. Mm. And you can impersonate an icon because you're doing the stuff we've seen on film, but what about the person? Like you can't impersonate a person. And, you know, Jay-Z is a great friend of mine and I showed him the film early on and he, he said, oh, you know, Elvis, the community. But when he came out, he said, God, who was that guy? Mm. He said, he made it human for me. I felt like I met someone I'd, I'd never known before. And I think that's Austin's great achievement is that he he, he humanised him, you know. Mm. And how how did you settle on Austin for the role? I mean... We've heard that the likes of Harry Styles or even Miles Teller, who people will know from the new Top Gun film, may have been in the running. How did you settle on him eventually? It's, 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 a, it's an extraordinary story, really, and I can tell it, I think, because Austin now tells it. But I think he felt almost spiritually driven to the role because, you know, he lost his mum the same year that Elvis did. And he tells the story about how he's so, um, he does a video and everyone says, oh, you'll never get the role. You know, too many big people are going for it. Mm. And he didn't send it in. And then one night he had a bad dream about his mum and he comes down and he sings Unchained Melody. And I, I got the video, his agent went and personally got the video and sent it to me. And I just looked at it and I went, I don't know what that is. Is that an audition or whatever it was, I just had to see him. And then when he came in... You know, from the moment he came in, I mean, for two years, he lived as Elvis. But he, it was a life and death thing for him, I think. I mean, I had to tell him just, just, just to back off his training sometimes because he was just pushing himself too hard. So I think that he just gave it his all. He lived it, you know. You can see, they can tell that from his portrayal. One of the other things that really spoke to me in this is there, it goes a long way, this film, to reframing the conversation around Elvis, inverted commas, stealing black music. Yeah. Uh, when, when what you've portrayed is a boy influenced by his surroundings and there yeah. was no other way for him to, to, to create music other than this way. Well, it's a bit like why, you know, I did a lot of work on the credits and the last statement in the film is Elvis's influence on music flows on. 
and Eminem does a new song, you know, with Dr. Dre and CeeLo. And CeeLo, yeah. Yeah, and that song is basically about M saying Elvis and me, and he's trying to explain I was a little kid. I'm in the black community because we're so poor, and I grow up, and, you know, sure, it wasn't just rhythm and blues and gospel. He also melded it with country, white country music, white gospel. But, you know, I mean, he, he was the only one white face sometimes in Club Handy. I mean, it was dangerous. You know, they had a phrase, which I can't use, it had the word white and then a slur that they referred to him in. I mean, they wanted to kill him for what he was doing. And when I spoke to Sam Bell and some of the older African-American musicians, they were going like, we were just so, we were just amazed that he would sing our music, that he would, we were proud of him. And he took risks. The world owes you a debt. Ireland owes you a debt for the incredible <laughs> movies you've made over the years. And I feel like it's a bit of an unfair exchange that you keep giving us these masterpieces of cinema and we just keep sending you Irish student teachers in GAA jerseys uh, <laughs> to get drunk on Bondi. Um, yeah, well, maybe, is there anything else know. we could give you? <laughs> I'm a very good friend of Bono's and I've been up there and we've had a good time at his pub. I love Ireland. <laughs> But, you know, you gave us Oscar Wilde, you know, you gave us Trinity College, which I love. Uh, you gave us the Book of Kells, you know. Yeah, uh, unfortunately, that was like 400 and 1,000 years ago. So okay, maybe okay. It was a bit, of a, ship's a, bit, full of prisoners. It's a bit long between drinks, I agree. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, Baz, we're being told we have to wrap up, but thank you so much for this movie. It is absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. We cannot wait for people to see us, Thanks, especially guys. in cinemas. It's a cinema movie. It go Go to see the, it's for the movies. That's yeah. my gig. Get him into the theatre. Thanks so much. Thanks, Baz. Bye-bye. See you guys. Bye. Dermot and Dave. Weekdays from 9am.